Welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast. I'm Harry Jarman, the founder of Gentleman's Journal, and today I'm joined by Rory Smith, our motoring editor at large. Rory takes us through his recent encounter with billionaire businessman Sir Jim Radcliffe in the African bush, and we also discuss the car launches we're looking forward to this year. We hope you enjoy. Hello, Rory. Hello. How are we? I'm very good today, Harry. Thank you very, very much <laughs> for joining us in what is going to be the first of many GJ Cars podcasts. So it's great to have you here. How long have you been working with Gentleman's Journal now? I think it's pretty long, much since, you, since you started. Yeah, since, yeah. yeah, 10 years. Perhaps I'm have. the longest serving contributor to the Gentleman's Journal. I don't know if that's a good thing or <laughs> yeah. a bad thing. I'll let you decide. So we're going to talk about your print piece, which is kind of amazing. And then yeah. we're going to talk about a few things that you've done online. We've been after this sort of interview for a long, long, long time, yeah. but you were lucky enough to go and meet Sir Jim Radcliffe. Do you want to tell our listeners who he is, for those of you who don't know him? Yes, absolutely. So Sir Jim Radcliffe, sometimes known as Jim Radcliffe, I mean, most people will probably know him from his bid of Manchester United, which is probably the most high profile thing he's done in the general sporting world. But he is the brain and the founder of Ineos, which is the petrochemicals giant first and foremost but has since gone into everything from well they bought the Ben Ainsley sailing franchise so they do the America's Cup they do Formula One they're a shareholder in AMG Mercedes AMG Patronus cycling cycling I don't know who's thinking behind it and perhaps you can share this but like it's an amazing success story probably one of the most like amazing business success stories come out of the UK for a long 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 time absolutely and he's I mean he's the richest man in the in the UK is he yeah. I don't know, it probably changes every year. I think he might be either, it fluctuates between one or two, but you yeah. know, we're talking about wealth of about 29 billion, I think. So we're 29 not... billion, <laughs> that's a lot. And he's most recently famous for buying Manu. Manu is his most recent purchase. Yeah, he's clearly in spend mode at the moment, which he's, he's unashamed to, to talk about really, because you know, he spent a long time grafting and building Ineos up to be the giant company that it is. And now he's sort of investing into sport and also automotive. So the primary reason I went out there was to, I'll tell you where I went with him in, in a yeah. second. But uh, yeah, he's got a car company called the Ineos Grenadier. Yeah, which is his take on the Land Rover Defender, which we can cover, yeah. cover off in so a bit. So we, because we're in our Knightsbridge office around the corner from the Grenadier pub. And listeners, for those of you who don't know, the Grenadier pub is one of London's greatest sort of... Yeah, hidden, best, hidden yeah, gem. Hidden it's a gem. hidden gem. It's behind the Barclay Hotel and then it's tucked down. You you really have to find it. You yeah. Know, like, and you, you don't stumble across the it. Amount, I, until recently, and this is embarrassing because our office is around the corner from it, you know, I would go down the wrong street or find the wrong way. They came up with this idea. This is how I know the story. He was pissed off with Land Rover because uh-huh. they were getting rid of the old Defender for various reasons, including emissions and it wasn't a practical car anymore and so he thought as every billionaire does i'm going to go and rebuild yeah. the land Rover defender that's, that's pretty that, much exactly how it was i and mean then, and, and then they did this in the pub yes yes so legend has yeah. it so i mean the the actual story is that land rover announced it was axing the defender which you know everyone was up in arms about because it's been a staple of the countryside and city to be honest for basically 60 years they had to get rid of it they had to replace it with something a bit more modern He didn't like the fact because he's an absolute adventure junkie and has spent most of his life going off to Africa, driving things like the Defender across the bush. So he was outraged and was potentially the only person that was financially well off enough to do something about it. So he said, you know what? 
we're going to have a talk with Land Rover and I'm going to buy the tooling and I'm going to make it myself. Yeah. That didn't end up happening. I don't really know the, the ins and outs of it, but Land Rover said no, they wouldn't sell him the tooling. So he, in true billionaire fashion, said, yeah. well, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. So yeah. then ended up doing his own thing, founding a company. The car is called the Ineos Grenadier. Ineos Automotive is the name of the, the division of Ineos that handles the cars. And yes, it was in the pub, apparently over a gin and tonic, other people say a pint, but he told me it was a gin tonic. Okay. It's, it's important details like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, very that's, important. That's I, is that's, that in the article? Did <laughs> yeah, you mention that? It's good. And he came up with the name because that was his favourite pub, which yeah. he subsequently bought the pub as well in 2022. Yeah. Oh, he owns the pub? He does. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did yeah. not know that. God, so I've made him quite a lot richer. <laughs> so that's, that's our little staff local drinking hole. So look, before we get on, before I just want to go just back a bit because we're going to get on to the, the Ineos Grenadier as well but this interview I've been sort of emailing them quite a bit saying yeah. is there any access because it's kind of an amazing story you know the, the only person who's really done a car company from scratch is Elon Musk really yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, so it's kind of an amazing story from that side he's notoriously private he occasionally comes into the press when he's having an argument with the HMRC and <laughs> and complaining about how much tax he has to pay. So he occasionally comes out. But apart from that, he doesn't really give that many interviews. He know? doesn't. No, he's so an, he's an intensely private person. He decided yeah. to pick Rory Smith, military editor <laughs> for the Gentleman's Journal, and that's amazing. So that was kind of a cool. Uh, yeah. Were you nervous? I'd been in talks with Ineos Automotive to go and drive the car in Scotland, to go and drive the car in Surrey. You know, all yeah. sort of slightly pedestrian yeah. stuff, I guess. And I couldn't make those for whatever reason. I couldn't make the dates of the launches. And then all of a sudden, an, an email dropped into my inbox saying, would you like to go on safari with Sir Jim Ratcliffe? And I thought, yeah, that could be quite interesting. It took me all of about sort of a split second to respond with yes, and then put the wheels in motion to essentially fly out to Kruger National Park, yeah. middle of nowhere in, in the bush, to go and test drive the Ineos Grenadier with its founder and owner, yeah. Sir Jim Ratcliffe, sitting beside me. So... We travelled out to the bush. Sir Jim flew in as well. Um, yeah. There were seven Ineos Grenadier. Were you both in economy? Well, I, I don't think he flies commercial. <laughs> okay, just wanted, just, just, just wanted to check. I okay. did. You did. You yeah. did. Okay, Not, cool. Which was very kind of them to fly me out there. And Good. then we took a... You obviously don't get a commercial plane out to the bush. You, you, yeah, take, yeah. you take something called a Cessna Grand Caravan, which okay. according to those bush pilots is the only aircraft you want in that kind of environment. Yeah. And we landed on this... Calling it an airstrip would be generous because it, yeah. it was... And was he already there? He actually came a Day few after. hours after. Okay, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he was he was on a separate flight. And we landed on this orange dirt strip and the pilots installed loads of confidence in all of us by saying that there is a chance there might be an elephant on the runway, <laughs> in which case they have to drop down really low and buzz the elephant to, to get really? it to, to And get then it to come leave. back around. And then come back around. Wow. Thankfully, there was no elephant on the run strip and we, we landed... And there, sitting there with seven Ineos Grenadiers all lined up, absolutely yeah. pristine, straight from the factory, ready to be driven. Amazing. From the Krugel National Park to the Okavango Delta in Botswana. A 17-hour journey if you did it without a break. Yeah. So it's, it's a fairly sizable trip. And obviously, you are going across the middle of nowhere. So yeah. you're in the middle of the bush. So you're pitting the car for its paces. Absolutely. And, and did they, a... had they planned this route? They would obviously plan this route. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is not his first rodeo. Okay. He's, as I said, he's, his appetite for adventure is absolutely insatiable. And he's done many, many adventures across Africa. He was doing this journey because it's Okavango Delta was one of his yeah. favorite places to go. Okay. And he was passing through some of his favorite And was locations. he doing this with friends as well? Or was yeah, it, yeah. This was the crazy thing. I mean, as a journalist, you're used to going on press 
press trips and yeah. stuff where you're part of you know a party of journalists i was the only one which was quite unusual to have that level of access to, and then the rest were just Jim. friends of his yeah they were a mixture of friends he had a few of his executive board out there yeah. his son George who's the commercial director of Ineos Automotive and yeah. Lynn Calder who's the CEO of Ineos Automotive Brilliant. so it was a an interesting one it was a bit of a mix between a family holiday and yeah, a yeah. board meeting but great I mean great <laughs> I mean great access and like great yeah fantastic and also probably quite nice in a way like yeah. different from the normal press trip exactly because on a press trip or a junket whatever you call it they're, they're all very prepped and you and know, they always ready to go i mean did you with normal press trips i've been on a few of them you have lots of people watching what you're saying to the various executives yeah. and everything else was it a bit more just conversational and, absolutely yeah yeah there was no there was no sort of public relations expert standing on his shoulder watching yeah. every answer he said in fact there was quite the opposite we had many chances to chat whether it would be in the camp or, or while we're in the cars or you know going out for sundown as a at some amazing part of the Kruger National Park but the majority of our chat took place over a fire at camp after we'd been out for the day in the sounds cars. so yeah such a romantic vision Absolutely. just sitting there after, yeah. the, after <laughs> a lovely day's driving with a gin and tonic and exactly brilliant. exactly which I gather is his favourite drink but we actually had a, a non-alcoholic Heineken which whether we can say brands yeah, yeah there we go no, don't worry please sponsor the podcast Heineken thank you so much um, go yeah, and we got chatting about everything. And if you read the article, the majority of it is is really about his his journey through business, which apart from, I think, the Times Richness, they did a, yeah. a big sort of profile on that. But I've uh, there's very little out there he's on a, he's, how he's made... But the most amazing Ineos. thing about him is he's a, like a late starter. You yeah. Know, like he basically, I think he worked for BP. Slight correction to that. Yeah, he didn't yeah. actually work for BP. He bought a subsidiary of BP yeah. in the New Forest, which was essentially the foundations of what would go on to be Ineos, the petrochemicals company. Yeah. And he did that while he was working in private equity. So we're, okay. we're sort of working backwards here, but he had a stint in private equity, which I gather was quite successful. Yeah. And this is all quite... Lit. But then, you know, when he started Ineos, he was like late 40s. Yeah. I think he was in his early 40s from memory. He had, you know, children, family, lived in the UK it was a big risk and he, yeah. he essentially invested everything he had into buying this Amazing. subsidiary of BP, put it all on the line. And, you know, I safe to say the risk has probably paid yeah, off. Paid <laughs> off. Wow. And w- did you chat about, you know, the sports side of things and like why, yeah. why he is going crazy about all this? I mean, he seems to sponsor everything. Like, you know, if there's an opportunity. He, he will go and sponsor it. I mean, or is I, there a strategy behind it? No, I, I asked the exact question because to me, it's a bit of an enigma why you'd end up, burdening sometimes yeah, yourself yeah. because sports teams are not always he's got two he's got two we haven't mentioned he's got two football teams as well he does have two football yeah, yeah. well he's or actually one. got three now okay, got if, three. You, if you if you count Manchester United his stake in Manchester United that makes three yeah, okay. I mean, it's true because it's Monaco and then Lausanne yeah, yeah. Okay. and then Manchester United which is for him the holy grail and I'll go on to a bit about why that was such a big thing for him his entrance into sport was was relatively late but I guess you need deep pockets to go into sport and that's it took a while for Ineos mm. to become the commercial juggernaut that it is yeah and I asked that exact question I was like you know you're you're a very successful businessman and and you obviously know what you're doing in that in that sense but to go into sport is a very different arena yeah and the first thing you kind of need to know about him is he's actually quite an honest straight talking northerner you know he, yeah. he doesn't really mince his words and he'll tell you exactly how it is he responded to that just by saying you know he and his partners, he's got two partners in, yeah. in Ineos as well, which are not quite as high, pro- high profile as him. Yeah. He said, we've made a lot of money. We all like sport, so why not? Yeah. You know, essentially, why not? We're going to have a good honesty. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There was no sort of, you know, I'm sure. But he is, he's a massive, like, he, he's a massive sportsman. Football. He? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so this and is And he's famous the... for not mincing his words. Like, yeah. I, I've someone, uh, 
who I know that knows him really well, said getting his time in the work environment, you know, you sort of have to run with him along the corridor and uh, like, like ask him, you know, to get his, to get his attentions. And running being the operative word yeah. because he is, as I said, he's big on adventure and he's big on running. Yeah. So actually, bizarrely, one of the things I did while I was out in the bush with him was go for a run. I don't really? think many people wow. go for a run when there's sort of crocodiles and lions yeah. hiding in. And it's pretty hot, I guess. 40 uh, something degrees. Wow. Yeah. How did you fare? <laughs> He's, he's an absolute machine. I mean, one of yeah. his colleagues said, as we were setting off for our run, they said, you know, you, he's like a diesel engine. He just keeps going. And, mm. you know, he's, he's in his 70s now. So it's, it's not like you yeah. know, he's, he's breaking healthy. sort of marathon barriers. He does sponsor that with the Ineos sub two marathon, obviously. Got another sponsorship. Another sponsorship. Well but, and Kipchoge. But yeah, he's a good runner and he, you know, held his own in the baking heat of the, of the bush. And we all just sort of trailed along behind. Amazing. But, Amazing. Yeah, I, that that I gather is is difficult to get his time, but you you have to run at him and operate at his pace yeah. to get his time and, and function as he does, which is quite an unusual yeah. way of operating. But that's so, clearly the secret so to his success. You're, you're sitting there and you've got all these, you know, this time to really go and ask him stuff. What do you start with first of all? Well, we actually started off on running because okay. I'm a big runner too, yeah. and we had just been for a run together. So I yeah. thought, you know, what a better place. And I find running is a mentality a lot of the time. And I was interested to know whether it was that sort of grit and determination yeah. that it takes to be a long distance runner has enabled him to be so successful in business. And it sounded like he was kind of an accidental runner, really. He started at university doing these kind of challenges, mm. you know, marathons and stuff with friends, and then just kept it up from there. And I guess it's very in keeping with his sense of adventure that, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. And he does all these ultra marathons. He's a marathon de Sable. He's done these crazy sort yeah. of you know, ultra marathons as they're called. Yeah. And I guess that's all in keeping with his mindset of just, you know, go for it and head for the hills and, you know, um, keep going really. He's a gritty person, you know, in terms of he's got determination and grit. And that's actually one of the founding pillars of Ineos is grit. Um, Grit, humor, and I can't remember the third one, but anyway, you know, it's, it's a major point for him and how he's got to where he is is probably just by being as he doesn't seem to be slowing down though like i mean like you know no. most people when you get to that age you made that sort of money i know he does have all the trappings he has the yacht, <laughs> he has the jet and stuff but it sounds like he doesn't really use it that much you know like it sounds like he's just trying to build and build and build and build and build yeah i don't, I don't imagine he's a sort of person that sits on a sunset his feet, feet up on a, on a yacht and, yeah. and um sails off into the sunset but if you look at his yachts one of them i know is is an adventure yacht it's an yeah. explorer yacht so it's he's it's got one that of, follows follows the other one around yeah full of kit yeah. so that's again in keeping with his mentality of adventure it's like he has a vehicle to enable him to do that and yeah. that's really what he built the grenadier for as well was just as yeah. a tool for him to do more adventures with so let's let's get on to the grenadier and yeah. like so obviously he came up with this crazy idea he decides bugger it i'm going to build my own how is it faring it's built in the uk no, no, it's not built in the UK. That's a bit of a sticking point because okay. he very famously said it was going to be built okay. in the UK. Okay, yeah, I thought it was. And then backtracked okay. on that. The whole thing about the car is that it is this sort of British-designed, yeah. British-made, British-backed vehicle, yeah. as was the Defender in times. But no, he doesn't manufacture in the UK. He went back on that decision. and um, But he just, did, did he buy a plant at one point? He took an interest I mean, I in a remember. plant in Wales. Okay, yeah, that was. There it. was nothing. I don't believe there was any ground yeah, broken. But there was like there was talk. Of there him. was talk. Yeah, 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 you're right. There was, and he went quite far down the line. And, and as I yeah. say, he famously came out saying that it was part of his, you know, yeah. reason he wanted to build this was to, to yeah, yeah. create jobs. And and so where are they built? 
They are built on the French-German border because he okay. bought an existing Mercedes factory that used to manufacture smart cars. So, okay. I mean, yeah. from a business point of view, it probably makes a lot more sense to buy a car plant that's already Germans already are quite good at this as well. They tend they? to be quite yeah, good they're at much cars. Much, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a better track record than us. Yeah. Um, good. Okay, so they're built there. This is the first car he's put together. It is. Yeah, um, yeah. And tell us about that. As you said at the start, there's only him and... Elon Musk and maybe a handful of others, Lucid being mm. another one that are a successful car startup, but so many have fallen by the wayside. So I think it's fair to say he deserves credit for actually bringing a car to market because that's yeah. no easy thing. He's also quite honest about the fact that he spent 1.5 billion on the project to date yeah. and counting because you know wow. it doesn't stop there. He's got more models coming out, so that's going to be more investment from him. But he's got a working car out there. It's come under a bit of criticism really for its the way it drives and things, it's it's slightly more rustic and, and old school in the way it drives. It's not did, quite a match for... Is that what he wants it? Though? Exactly. I mean, does he, he want it to resemble the desert? Yeah, I don't much. think he sees that as a criticism. I mean, that's what the motoring media have come out and said. They it, tend to be very critical, don't they? <laughs> yeah, they tend to be very critical of newcomers. Yeah. And to be honest, you know, any anything that comes into the market, really, that isn't an established auto manufacturer. So good effort on getting out there i think he acknowledges there's work to do on making it a perfect car it's by mm. no means a perfect car but it is his first shot so you know if we're being kind yeah be, let's, think... be kind. let's be kind <laughs> let's be kind let's be kind to the billionaire let's yeah, uh, yeah. let's give it time billionaires tend to get stated quite a lot so let's be kind so he's brought <laughs> he's brought a car to market he's brought a car to market well. it's very capable off-road there's yeah. no doubting that you know we drove it through some pretty well I can safely say he's definitely put it through its paces really? at a rate of knots because he's not a slow driver. The thing I like about it, it's just different. You know, yeah. like, I think the ultimate like selling point of it is just like we live in a society and you look around like there's so many cars that are the same. You yeah. Know? And I think, to be honest, like Land Rover, you know, we are where we're recording from the middle of Knightsbridge. Yeah. There's tons of them around yeah. everywhere, which is obviously, by the way, we know this is a bit of a bubble. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the cool thing about it is it is quite unique and like different and i guess they're going after a guy that wants to just have something a bit different yeah so exactly. i mean what's the price point they were meant to start around 40 i think they probably start around 60 now because okay. you know again he set out and was quite vocal again doesn't mince his words and, and probably said you know the prs were probably head in their hands because he he came out very early and said what the price yeah. point would be said it would be because the i think there was i remember talking to someone at Land Rover at that point and I think they'd had a board meeting and they tried to run all the maths on it because they were worried about it you know and they it worked out that he was losing sort yeah. of 10k a car yeah which is, uh, and which they were like well how's he doing this and obviously because he's a very wealthy guy obviously that's now changed yeah I asked him about that too and he said you know he wouldn't be in this because you could see this easily as a vanity project especially yeah. given his interests and given what he wants to do with the car you could see it as he just came to a point in his life where he had so much money he wanted to make a car, which is sometimes the case. But actually, he said, I wouldn't do this if I didn't make money out of it. And he is, if you look at everything else he invests into, he's a pretty shrewd businessman. And, and mm. I think money's a big operator for him and probably wouldn't do it if it didn't. So that explains why he put the price up. He probably realized they were all going to be making a loss. But there's more to come. I mean, he's bringing out an electric vehicle pretty shortly, which I believe will be different to the grenadier but that's slightly based on it and then potentially another two cars after that so there'll be four cars in total so yeah and do you know what has he talked about the other cars no he's pretty tight-lipped about the other ones so, he, so we don't yeah. know they could be four by fours they could be anything they've been so hardline on what the brand is i don't think i think they'll struggle to move away from like these, they're not going to do the, a soft top potentially potentially 
Random. Yeah, okay. that would be quite random. But I think they'll all be pretty rough and rugged. That's his MO for his yeah. car company. He wants to shift the image away from these big, squishy off-roaders that you see driving around yeah. Bridge, Chelsea, whatever, and go a bit more hardline on stuff. What was your takeaway? You know, car company, you know, we'll wait and see how everything yeah. pans out. But we're being kind, so like, well done. <laughs> well done for me. But what was your takeaway on the man? Were you impressed? You know, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess I was surprised for someone who I had done a lot of research on and someone who had thrown themselves into the limelight with a bit on Manchester United. I mean, mm. football or soccer for our American listeners. Did he talk about, did he talk about that? Yeah, I mean, it, we, I asked him. It must have been like just after. At the, the t- yeah, I mean, at the time I spoke to him, he had just had his full offer for Manchester United rejected and was in this a bit of, you know, no yeah. man's land, not knowing what to do. Shortly after he came back from the trip, he revealed that he was going to bid on 25% of the club. And I think he was honest. And this was one of the things I was going to say as, a, as something I took away from it was I was surprised how honest he was. And I was also surprised at how in a way shy or self-deprecating you know he, mm. he he doesn't necessarily go for the limelight and i don't yeah. think he particularly likes it so yeah that is at odds with going for something like manchester united because immediately you're you're cast in front of a football yeah. crowd that's well, all of all of it you know like all, all of it all yeah of exactly sport by its nature you yeah know, he's putting himself out there yeah yeah so um he was he was very honest he was very unguarded i mean as i said no one was standing by us while we were having a conversation it was all sort of in his own words. And yeah, I guess his rise is unusual. There's only a handful of people that I can probably say are similar to that. And one yeah. being maybe James Dyson, who again was a relatively late to making billions and, and yeah. has made relatively similar amount of money. Yeah. But um, it's quite a remarkable story behind Ineos and it's how it's grown. It's grown through acquisition and, you know, taken on so many different things. And there's not many companies out there that do quite so much. Everything from yeah. chemicals to cars to football yeah. to boats to... They've got, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, hand sanitizer. Hand sanitizer, <laughs> exactly. Well, very, so very that's quickly. them coming into the home, really. They're definitely trying to make Ineos a household name, where it has been a business name up until now, a B2B yeah. company. They're trying to bring that into the household. So. Amazing. You've written a few articles online as well. First thing is like cars this year. Like what's your, give us a quick like synopsis of the auto industry in general. Is it looking pretty or is there going to be lots of challenges? There's always challenges in the car industry. I mean, like we're starting to see electric becoming less of a novelty now and it's just becoming like, you know, part yeah. of the course. That um, looks like it's going to be really competitive though. You know, like, it yeah, very. like these, and there's been talk of like a lot of car companies price reducing and like, yeah, it's going, yeah, to be, yeah. I mean, it's going it's, to be a fight speaking right now it's it's in a bit of a tricky spot because electric car sales are sort of plateaued off because mm. everyone who wanted to buy one has bought one mm. the price of electricity in line with energy prices has gone up so it's no longer as competitive yeah. to sort of have an electric car so it's kind of given combustion cars a bit of a second life and also governments are putting back the date when everyone has to stop selling them so in a way it's kind of brought combustion cars back into the fray but car companies are very much still They're on, like a, on the line electric, of like yeah. we're going to go full electric Porsche only a couple of weeks ago revealed the Macan it's not called the electric Macan it's just the new Macan is electric there will be no combustion yeah. Porsche Macan which yeah. is their best selling car yeah so and Bentley they're 230 they say that everything yeah so 2025 will be Bentley's first electric car but by 2030 they're about full um, electric 
And they're in the process of waving goodbye to the, the mighty W12 engine, which yeah, is which two V6 engines glued, there, yeah. you know, stuck together, basically. Yeah, it's an absolute brute of an engine. It's amazing. And it's, yeah. um, it's fared very well for them. But obviously, in a climate that we live in, you can't be manufacturing yeah. a big... So what are the cars you're most looking forward to then this year? Like, what are the big, big launches? Well, there's, there's the Range Rover Electric, which yeah. is going to be an interesting one because already a heavy car in its current guise. And anyone who knows electric cars, you're basically adding... A big car battery weighs about a ton, so you're basically adding a ton to the weight straight off. So that's yeah. you know going to be an interesting development for them because it obviously still has to perform like a Range Rover does. Yeah, I know that the vast majority of people do not go off roading in their Range yeah. Rover, but they are actually quite capable when you do. Just in case, just yeah. in case, it's important. You that's know? their thing, though. It's when you come across that puddle and you know in the countryside, you need exactly. to be able to get through it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. At the other end of the scale, we've got. A really cool company called Alpine, actually, which is a, a yeah. subdivision which of form, Renault. Which Formula One, now Formula One. Yeah, team. exactly. They've obviously got the Formula One team, so they're, they're pretty well known on the racing circuit. But, and um, rally, am I saying, right in saying rally cars? Do they do rally cars? Uh, or they did a rally car? Yeah, they did do a rally car back yeah. in the Back, back in, in the, like the old 70s, one, the old 80s. One, yeah. yeah, they used to run their um, A110 yeah. in rallies. But the, the current A110 is a, a fantastic little, cute little French sports car. They're bringing out an A290, which is based on... Renault's also reviving the Renault 5. And for yeah. anyone who grew up in the 90s, 80s, yeah, probably yeah. even as far back as the 70s, actually, the Renault 5 was this sort of like wedge, pyramid-shaped car, which was quite iconic, actually. And they're bringing that back with a retro-style model, but Alpine is, has taken that, that dialed up to 11, and they've made it into like a... They're obviously investing in like Alpine. I mean, like the fact yeah, they, they, the fact yeah, they yeah. renamed their Formula 1 team yeah. Renault to... Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it's obviously like they feel like it's got legs. They're pushing that hard and hoping that Alpine will sort of become the performance division of yeah. that French car company's okay. uh, portfolio. At the same yeah. time, we've got the things like the Toyota Land Cruiser, which are, it, it looks amazing. Yeah, there, there's just definitely a movement at the moment towards retro-style cars, yeah. which everyone seems to love. because. And they, I guess, is that going against the Ineos car? Yeah. It is, yeah. it is, yeah. How yeah. much is that? Do you know? It's the Toyota Land Cruiser is going to come in around 50,000. So it's 10 grand cheaper. Yeah, it's 10 grand Jim, cheaper. Jim, if you're listening. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Oh, that's, uh, how, does, how does that compare to a Defender? Defender's about... Seventy yeah, defenders probably you can probably get a defender for fifty if you if Could you try you? new. Really, um, but you can also obviously pick you know second hand market and values are. are they less. look? I mean, looks amazing. Like, it, does look cool. it looks really cool. It looks cool. It looks really tough. Out. It looks really robust. That kind of thing. And obviously, you know, the Toyota Land Cruiser has, has carved, carved a reputation out for itself. The United Nations use them. Yeah. Militaries use them. They, yeah. They're pretty rough and ready. So that that would be quite a cool thing that comes out. I feel like there's a feature coming along here. Where Group test, Defender, Ineos, and Toyota Land Cruiser. I think that'd be quite fun. It would be good. I'd need to find a place in the UK that, that oh, or maybe abroad. Scotland. I don't know. Anyway, or, yeah, stay yeah. tuned. This is coming out. Um, and then what else are your? So you got uh, Aston, Aston Martin's Martin. bringing okay. out the Valhalla, which is um, how much is this? Do you know? Been uh, testing me on all these prices. No, I know, uh, I know, but it's, it's over a million quid, I guess. I don't know whether the Valhalla will be oh, over really. I mean, it's 999 examples will be built, so it's going to be limited run. But, you know, we're talking like a thousand brake horsepower, twin turbo V8. It's been in gestation for a long time, this car yeah. in Aston's. Um, this will be the first mid-engined Aston, I think. Yeah, it's the first mid-engined Aston in the company's 108-year history. So this is quite a big deal for them. They've obviously made monsters like the Valkyrie, which is that yeah. sort of... I say track only. It's not track only. You can drive on the road, but you know, yeah. 
I think from stories I've heard of other other Don't. people that own Valkyries, it just sounds like a bit of a yeah, handful yeah, yeah. To, to handle on the road. So that would be a really cool car, and that's obviously targeting the likes of Ferrari and and you know. Um, what do you think? Let's just quickly talk about Aston because it seems like they're getting everything right. I mean, it's famously only been profitable like twice <laughs> in its whole history. Um, but Lawrence Stroll, like who, by the way, listeners, is a big, larger than life Canadian billionaire. Yeah, yeah. Um, made his money in fashion. Made his money. I think it was like Tommy Hilfiger, yeah. Michael Kors. Yeah. Um, and he's obviously the owner of Aston Martin. Yeah race team his son drives for it yeah. lance and with a fernando alonso it's still fernando yeah, alonso yeah, i don't yeah. know I'm, yeah i i get lost in the east enders of formula one <laughs> um but like i mean they seem like they've they've got the vantage coming out really soon which i love that you know always have loved the brand's cool it seems like they're selling them dbx i don't think it's done as well as they hoped no, but if but, you're in the market for an absolutely scorching hot SUV, yeah. that think, is the one to go. Really? The 707. If you get a DBX 707. I had the 707 for a weekend. It was, um, yeah, you know that bit when the M4 comes yeah. out of London uh, yeah. and there's that right-hand lane. And I thought, right, just, I'll just tap it a little uh-huh. bit. I was like, wow. Yeah. I was like, that. you know, for a car that size to yeah. do that. It's incredible. Obviously, then, you're keeping within the 40 mile an hour speed. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I always worry that they can track you, like the press teams can track you. They've somewhere. got trackers. Do they? They do. Okay. Yeah, they can tell. Sorry, Aston, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's an amazing car. It's not cheap though, is it? I mean, it's, it's, it's... No, we're probably talking well over a hundred. You probably, you know, yeah. by the time you put a bit of spec on it, you're probably looking at 150, 170,000. Really? Yeah. So, um, so it's not cheap. But no, it seemed like they're doing really well. And then segueing onto another 4.4, another 4x4, sorry, yeah. the M5. Oh, M5 Touring. Yeah. The Germans are still going strong in the estate game. Everyone yeah. else seems to have given up on estate cars. But I, oh, I, it's an estate. The, yeah, image, it's, the image looks like it's a 4x4. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. an estate car. I okay. mean, the covers haven't actually come off it yet, so yeah, maybe yeah. if they have jacked it up and made it interesting. this was a cult be... car. I mean, this had, you know, the old one yeah. know, everyone loved. BMW M cars and M estate cars. Yeah. I always think a fast estate car is potentially the, one of the yeah. coolest sort of setups you can have. And the M5 has, a, has an amazing reputation. I'm not entirely on board with BMW's design direction in the last few I'm years. I'm not either. They've sort of, what used to be such a beautiful, yeah. they call it the kidney, kidney grill. Um, has it been sort looks, of bastardized. Like, it looks like it's like <laughs> it's, it's like a fat person who's been hit in the face. Yeah, I mean, it really. I mean, what's their um, what's their big like? I seven seven seats. The front of that yeah, is yeah, just yeah. huge. I, I know. Mean, anyway, but there's obviously people out there who love it. Yeah. I, I've personally always been like Audi over yeah. BMW. Yeah, yeah. And like yeah. you know, this I guess is going against the RS RS six. Yeah, yeah. Which, which interesting. You know, Audi's just announced uh, an all guns. Uh, RS6 as well as if it needed to be any any faster than it yeah both these cars will do 200 these are basically for people who are like having their first kid and hating the fact that they're having their first kid absolutely and tell their wives that they're buying an estate car yes and hope that it slides by I mean back in the day these these cars used to be like sleeper cars and you'd get away with it if only if you knew Mm. you'd know it was a fast car but now they're full of wings and spoilers and splitters and stuff and it's very difficult to actually pass it off as just being a regular estate car but Mm. You know, I think we're probably set for a pretty good performance car in the M5 Touring. Cool. Plus, it's got the practicality. You can still shove a dog in the back if you and want to. And it's German. So it's and it's German. Going, it's going to be really well known. <laughs> um, moving on to Lotus. 
Oh, yeah. Again, currently British. Do we say British? Chinese-owned. Chinese-owned. Bit British. Yeah. British I mean, Mart. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? There's, there's very few British car brands, if we use the term British in a version. Again, cars. like a brand that's famously been in and out of various... Terminal. Like, yeah, yeah. And now it's obviously got this big back on Kiwi, yeah. which Kiwi, for those who don't know, own Volvo. Yeah. They have a share in Mercedes, I think, as well. Yeah, they, yeah there's some... There's London some Taxis. Yeah, London taxis, Polestar obviously Polestar, as well as yeah, Volvo. Yeah, yeah. They're an absolute juggernaut in the car world, and as you say, they're a Chinese company. Yeah. But they've been very successful with brands like Volvo. They invested a lot of money into Volvo and have turned it around. I mean, that was a quite an iconic brand in some ways, but it was in the sort of late two thousands. It looked like it wasn't going in a very good direction. Geely step in, pump a load of money into Volvo, and, and make very good, good-looking cars. And I think yeah. they've done quite well with that. So. They appear to be doing exactly the same with Lotus. Lotus was a company based in Norfolk. Again, not your natural yeah. grounds for the makings of a car company. But the- Sorry to everyone in Norfolk there. No, <laughs> but I think they'll probably be the first to admit they don't have a huge heritage in yeah. manufacturing cars. And Geely come in, put a load of investment into it, turn Lotus into an electric car company in keeping with the times. And they bring out things like the Amaya and the Evia, they're all very similar sounding yeah, cars. Yeah. Um, and this is going against a Porsche Taycan. Taycan, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Emea is the is the latest sort of fast saloon that they've they've brought out. And again, all electric. Yeah, all electric and and a hundred grand upwards. Yeah, yeah, big battery stuff. So you know, probably the range would be quite good on that. I think it produces something crazy, like close to nine hundred. That's right. Yeah, eight hundred ninety three brake horsepower. So that's an yeah. insane amount of power to have in a family saloon. And car. I guess they're they're sharing like chassis and stuff and Volvos and Polestars, you know, do you think I, it, Electric doesn't on? quite work doesn't in the way that, that like cars used to be based on sort of like chassis and stuff. Electric's a bit different because you're, the gubbins that powers it is, is mm. relatively small and can be compacted into quite tight areas. What is big is the battery and the battery in most electric cars makes up the floor that is between the four wheels. Yeah. So they call it like a skateboard chassis kind of thing, but you stick four wheels on a big yeah. battery and you've got an electric car. Interesting. Yeah. Now, segue again, yeah. talking about electric cars, we move on to Polestar, which actually, I, I actually went out to their HQ in the latest issue as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw which that. is amazing. So they've had a bit of a tough time getting these cars out, but this is the year they're launching and they're going like quick succession, launching both the three and then the four. Yeah. And the three is obviously their SUV. Yeah. It's not trying to be like a super off-roader, but it's yeah. more of an SUV for town and city, basically. Exactly. So they've already got the two. They have the one as well, but that's not full electric. The two I had for a good amount of time, actually. I was testing that for around about six months. Okay. Living with it, you know, it's a nice, nice, nice car. it to you. Yeah. Um, amazing. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I'm not allowed to sell it. No. That's, <laughs> that's the difference. Um, um, I'll wow. have to give it back at the end. But I had a two for a while, and that was that was a great thing. I think the three, firstly, I think the Polestar's, in terms of the design, and I know you met yeah, their, their yeah. chief designer, I think they're beautiful cars, and they've done a really, really good job I, of making... You know what I think? I just think this is like the year that all these cars are going to be competing. And yeah. uh, I think there's quite a lot of these electric cars looking very, very similar. Yeah. Tesla, like, you love it or hate it. Yeah. You, know, you have the guys who are just complete fanatics and love Elon Musk. Yeah. But... I think if you're looking for something like cool and different. Yeah. And I think the three is pretty cool. Yeah, the three is cool. And the four, which is the sort of small saloon based on the... Well, it's, they're all... The whole range is slightly high riding. I wouldn't yeah. say they're all SUVs, but... Um, and the four doesn't have a, doesn't have a back. Windscreen. No, it doesn't have a windscreen, which was, yeah. which was sort of the headline grabbing announcement they made yeah. when they came out with that car is... 
Uh, it doesn't have a rear windscreen. I mean, you think that's crazy, but actually how many times do you need to go through now. the rear windscreen, especially with all these cameras? Exactly. Yeah. So. Their price point as well. Like, I mean, the three is scheduled from 80 grand and the four is 55 grand. I think that's pretty competitive. Yeah, right? it's, it is it mean, is very competitive in this landscape because they are really, really well made. I mean, the interiors yeah. are, you know, they're very Scandinavian, they're very minimalist, but they're really, the build quality is amazing. And for a car at that price point, that's, you know, Electric cars are skew more expensive anyway, just yeah. just purely for the, for what they are. And given the fact that most people don't buy cars outright, they buy them on sort of finance plans and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's going to boil down to something that's pretty easy per month. But that's, I think, at that price point, they should be selling quite a few of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right. I think we're already seeing a lot of twos. I mean, twos have been around for a while now, but we're seeing a lot on the roads. I think we're going to see a lot of three and fours as well. Yeah, they're quite Apple in their like yeah. uh, design philosophy as well. Yeah, as clean, it. Scandi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. Right, so now away from uh, in the new cars, <laughs> this is sort of article that we love writing about at the Gentleman's <laughs> Journal, a short history of royal cars. Yeah. Basically, I yeah, this is kind of a fun one that we came up with, but... I mean, the royal family do have, like, they have massive selling power. And obviously, like, there's Land Rover have sort of built a lot of part of their brand off the fact that it's, that you know, driven by the Queen and everything else. So we went through, like, and actually, I should say, it's not all Land Rover. You would think so, but there's Bentley, yeah. Audi. I didn't realise that Diana had a Ford RS Turbo. Yeah, yeah, she had an Escort, which was, you know, um, she kind of bucked the trend. She's the one that brings a bit of variation into this article, I guess. Yeah. But we're talking largely British cars here. I mean, this was a lot of fun to write. I, I do yeah. like delving into especially with the popularity of the crown it makes yeah. um, makes things like this a bit a bit more fun but yeah there's there's a long history and this is just a slice of as we say it's the short history maybe we'll do the long yeah, history yeah. of all cars well i think there was there's so many you can put in there, there's right? so many yeah i mean princess anne had like a scimitar as well which is which is quite a left field i car also think like day. prince harry prince william they've had fast of, audis no but they got like yeah audis rs6s uh-huh. and stuff now yeah yeah, yeah. and i i think they're driving those way more uh-huh. than themselves themselves yeah. now. And what's Prince Charles drive? He's got an electric something now that he's driving. Around. He's been seen, you know, obviously he's Prince, been the Prince headlines. Charles, sorry, King uh, Charles. King Charles, King Charles. Get well soon. Yeah, exactly. He's been seen coming in and out of hospital, yeah. getting into an Audi e-tron. Yeah, uh, so that's basically his day-to-day. Well, he's not driving that himself. He's not but, driving, you know, yeah. Um, it, to be fair, a modest royal car. It's, it's hardly the Bentley State limousine that was made yeah. in 2002 for the late Queen Elizabeth. And that's still being used, basically. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, yeah. Is, I mean... Is that the main... Is that like the, the gold carriage of the cars? That's the pomp and ceremony vehicle yeah. of choice. So, I mean, Bentley made this completely bespoke car for them in 2002 for Queen Elizabeth. It's got like hilarious little quirks to it in terms of like the luggage compartment yeah. in the rear is based on the dimensions of her favourite handbag the roof line was raised so that she could stand up fully in the car without having to bend over. That's why it's got quite a tall cabin on it. It's obviously bulletproof. It's obviously, you know, reinforced. It's, I think they used the term bomb resistant. Bomb resistant. (laughs) That doesn't fill you with confidence. You know what I mean? Like you either want it bomb proof or like bomb resistant. Exactly. I guess they were covering themselves legally there. Yeah. It's got hidden blue lights. It's got illuminated coat of arms, you know. I think that you occasionally like, I mean, you and I both like cars, but you occasionally like see these like ex-royal cars appear on like pistol oh, heads yeah. or something and it would be like a it could be a defender that's been used in Balmore I guess they're great cars to buy because they've been a Mac you looked after yeah and, so one yeah. of those exact example was Diana's ex 
Audi Cabriolet, which she yeah. had. For anyone who, who knows the Audi Cabriolet, it was quite a, a, a very 90s car, but a really cool looking car. I think they're car. quite cool. You know, yeah. full roof retracting into the bodywork. So you just, when the roof's down, you've just got basically the windscreen and then a, a straight line across the cabin. She was pictured quite a lot driving this car. I think one of those iconic photos of her with sunglasses on, sports jumper on, like had just obviously been to the gym or whatever and got into the Audi and was driving around with the roof down. But this came up for auction in 2020 with a price tag of between 35 to 40,000. It must have gone for more than that. I couldn't find, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a steal, really. Yeah. But uh, I couldn't find any price data on what it actually did sell for, whether it didn't yeah. meet its reserve, which I think was unlikely. But yeah, that car sold at auction. You get all sorts of like ex-Jaguars that have been used yeah. potentially once by the Queen or something. Yeah. But yeah, as we said, Diana had a... In 1985, she had a Escort you, Turbo RS. And then you missed out one that I think you should have done. I mean, my oh. criticism, which would be, she had this SL night, you know, SL oh, did she? convertible. Yeah, yeah. And it was a beautiful, like, burgundy colour. Yeah. But it was one of those, like, 90s square. I mean, yeah. I think it's called an R129. That's yeah. geeky knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is geeky knowledge. I'm thinking, desperately trying to You're buy trying one. You're trying to buy one. Yeah, the yeah, only yeah, people yeah, that know yeah. the numbers like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're amazing. Them. But, you know, that was a cool car. So she probably put a bit of glamour into it, didn't she? Yeah, I mean, yeah. absolutely. But that was quite a cool car in its age as well. But it was mainly known for being a boy racer's car. But, you yeah. know, she was... She turned as, as the crown cool. portrays her, she was quite a fun loving person. Prince Charles has got his Aston Martin DV6. Yeah, which, that runs, which is which he, it runs on cooking oil. Or? It's unconventional. It runs on um, like a bio waste product. So it, he had it converted. Obviously, the car in period had a combustion engine. Being such an advocate of the environment and uh, sustainability, he actually had it converted by a company called RS Williams. And it runs on, well, essentially it runs, as he said in an interview, it runs on cheese and wine. But what he yeah. means by that is it runs on, it runs on like a bioethanol produced from waste. So, okay. you know, being sort of, uh, yeah, I yeah. guess, wine waste or cheese waste in this, yeah. in this instance. But yeah, quite a turn up for the books. And actually that was the car, it's, we're talking about an Aston Martin DB6 from 1966 here. And that was the same car that William and, and Kate, Kate drove, drove down, away yeah, from yeah. their wedding in. So it's been like his favourite car, basically. Yeah, yeah. He, he rolls around in that quite quite frequently. And then you've got um, the Land Rover... Um, Defender, Defender, Range and Rover. Rover. Let's talk about um, Duke of Edinburgh's <laughs> famous uh, Land Rover. Yeah, he is one that was famous for sort of like bucking the trend, I guess. Or maybe not bucking the trend, but being slightly controversial in many other ways. But he took that right down to the to his, not even his last breath, because this was after he died. But um, he took that down to the, his last public occasion, I guess, in terms of he vetoed the horse-drawn carriage that would have been offered to him and instead opted for a converted Land Rover TD5 Defender 130. Which it was, I think when it came out, everyone was just like, you're the coolest guy yeah exactly ever. i mean it was just amazing and it was just like yeah, yeah. tell me you're a petrol head after yeah. you've died without telling me it's you're a petrol just, head and i yeah. think he was also like i mean it was kind of him trying to be a bit discreet as much as state funerals can be discreet but it was everything was paired back on what yeah they were telling him to do yeah basically. exactly yeah everything was a bit more i mean i guess it was in the times of covid as well so it was, it was slightly less of an occasion but he had this 130 defender converted primarily i think was into a gun bus for when he used to go shooting it could then swap into a hearse when the occasion called for it so 
apparently he had put a lot of work into this and been 16 years in development this car with yeah. Land Rover so he had been working together with them so he had been working with them it wasn't just him doing yeah. it by himself yeah I mean talk about preparing for your funeral 16 years um, yeah. it's quite a long time but I guess he was fair age by that, that time yeah. so. and it was a nod to his military past as well you know he was a military guy and that is um, he had it finished in a, in a very sort of military colour and then he had all the different divisions of the armed forces surrounding it. Yeah, yeah. And then the Range Rover, which is like, I always think of the Range Rover as that amazing meme on Instagram of the queen wearing a hoodie. Yeah. Dri- driving the Range Rover. Uh, was it a hoodie or a neck I scarf? Don't know what it, I think it was a scarf. But <laughs> basically, like when she evils the paparazzi. Yeah, exactly. Dri- I think she drives out of Sandrium. So like, baller. And, and yeah. really baller. But... I would say there's like a particular model, which I'm going to test your knowledge now, oh Christ, here we go, uh, yeah. which is now becoming a bit of a classic. Which, uh, I would say which that, model are you I would talking say about? It's the first generation of oh, Jerry yeah. McGovern when oh, he came okay. and redid the, yeah. And that's the you know, picture in the article. I think it is that model you got it in. Yeah, I'm going to uh, get the actual. Yeah, there we that, go. That, Sorry, this is a numbers thing and you caught me out. I got the numbers and I'm not meant to be the motoring guy. But yeah, no, it's amazing. And and. The L322. There we go. Well yeah. done. Got it. <laughs> Got it. No, but it was BMW first uh, and then yeah. it was Ford. Yeah. Again, yeah. I'm desperately searching pissed heads trying to find one. This um, is good knowledge. They developed these cars with SVO, which is Land Rover's special, special vehicle, vehicle operations. operations yeah. yeah, for the royal family. I mean, SVO will also make you a car if you're just a random punter, but you yeah. know, at a price. But SVO obviously were the ones that were in charge of specking the royal cars because she wanted a bespoke dog section in the back for the corgis obviously they finished it in a color that wasn't available for anyone else to buy so epsom green was what it was was finished in dog guard for the corgis as we said and a modified front grille with covert lights so again that calf of hers had blue lights in it amazing Um, should she need to just get through the traffic you know out of buckingham palace getting out of london in a hurry unbelievable it is quite an iconic car and you're right i think we can we can add to this piece I don't know. I feel like there should be another podcast too where we should go for because there's so many different we cars. We could do a it? whole hour-long episode yeah. on Royal But cars. with, um, you know, it's also, I think, for these car brands, it's a big kudos thing having, oh, the, yeah. you know. So there must be, you know, the fact that it used to just be Land Rover and mm. now it seems like it's Land Rover, Bentley, Audi. I think um, there's been Rolls-Royce there in the past as well. Yeah. Like they don't seem to be, I mean, who knows what the private Royal car collection yeah, is yeah, because yeah. like we said, you know, I think Harry and William have both driven pretty yeah. fast Audis in the past but they're not always seen in those it must be it's a great you know these car brands love having I guess yeah it's, it's a good kudos factor. huge huge kudos for anyone any car company to have a, a royal driving their cars I mean Land Rover is probably the one with the longest history the Queen I think actually if I get my facts right the Queen's father was the first one to order the original Land Rover when it first came out really the Defender I don't, I don't well, I mean, well the Defender. what became the Defender which yeah, was called yeah. the Land Rover back in the day Series 1 Series 1 yeah King George uh, ordered one in the late 40s so that's going back some so that's a hell of a relationship and, yeah, and the yeah. fact that you know the likes of the Royal Family are still I mean William got out at the charity event he came to last um, week he got out of a Range Rover yeah, yeah. Um, so still going strong amazing Rory thank you so so much great no chat and uh we will do we'll have another one coming up we got loads of articles coming up you're doing something on yachts next yes okay yes. interesting can't <laughs> wait thank you very much thank you Harry. take care bye bye